What's up, dudes? This is Victor Ung with the Badass Asian Dudes podcast, and I am super excited to get you into this conversation with Kyle Wong, CEO and founder of Pixly. But before we do, an update on our end is that we are hosting another sex and relationships Q&A panel. Whether you're single and dating, in a relationship, or considering polyamory, these three sex coaches will answer all the questions that you've been wondering about as an Asian American man. This is the safe space to get all of your questions answered by trained sex and relationship coaches and therapists. And with your ticket, you'll get a free 10-page mini ebook called Nice Guys vs. Assholes, so you can learn to balance confidence with humility. If you're an Asian dude who wants to develop deeper and more meaningful relationships, register for the panel at bit.ly slash sexpanel for Asian dudes. That is bit.ly slash sexpanel for Asian dudes, all lowercase in one word. The link is also in the show notes below. We hope to see you there. And with that, let's get right into the episode with Kyle Wong. All right, welcome to another edition of the Badass Asian Dudes podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Wu. I'm one of the moderators for Badass Asian Dudes on Facebook. I'm also a software engineer for Stripe based out of Tokyo. Uh, here with me, I have my co-host, Sebo Shen. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, what's up, everybody? Y'all know me. I was in the first episode and in this episode. So happy to be on. Thank you for inviting me to be the co-host, Michael. Yeah, and our guest today is uh, Kyle Wong, CEO of Pixley. Um, I met Kyle back in 2012 when I was at Stardex uh, working with my friends on my, my first startup. And Kyle was sitting next to me with uh, his company. And yeah, we got to know each other that way. Uh, after that, we've kept in touch and um, run a couple races and marathons together. And uh, Kyle, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Well, first, I want to say that Michael was one of the people who went to Paris with me for my birthday to run the Paris Marathon, which um, in hindsight was a great idea. During it, it was a terrible idea. Um, so kudos, Michael, for uh, being a very, very uh, physically uh, talented human being to be able to just pick up and do a marathon with very little training. Uh, your original question was introducing myself, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not just hyping you up. Um, <laughs> I'm Kyle. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Pixly. Um, Pixly, we're a uh, user-generated content marketing platform that provides brands with a cost-effective way to scale their content by tapping into the content that's already created by their communities, whether that be their customers, uh, their employees, um, or their influencers. Um, I'm originally from New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, and um, I came out to college uh, and in, in, in Stanford for my undergrad and um, started Pixley right out of the, the dorm room. So kind of pretty classic Silicon Valley story, uh, kind of right place and right time. Uh, and then uh, we're still around. So that's usually a good sign. <laughs> nice. So one question we like to lead off with is what does being a badass Asian dude mean to you? Um, as, as a, that's a tough question to, to lead up, lead off with. Um, but um if you kind of break that up a little bit, I think badass, you think of people who are um, the best in their craft or excellent at what they do. Um, and I think of the Asian Jude component, I think of um, being proud of your identity and your heritage. 
So maybe when you combine the two of that, it is someone who is exceptional at his or her craft, or I guess in this case, his, his craft, uh, but also is proud of who they are as a person. Is that okay for an answer? I'm not sure how a lot of people would answer that question. I was just kind of thinking off the cuff how I would answer that on the fly. No, that's totally. Well, no, there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, we just want to hear your opinion on it. And, you know, we like to ask that question because we have, you know, quite honestly, like if you look at the past people that we interviewed, we have a lot of really accomplished people. So yep. what we're always just kind of curious is to hear everyone's answer. You know, some of the people, they all they talk about, you know, what makes a badass Asian dude? Well, it's all of these professional accomplishments that I have, you know, others really focus it more internally, like, hey, you know, it's all about, you know, internal growth, emotional health, things of that nature, you know, like, so after hearing me say something like that, do you want to expound upon your answer? Yeah, no, I think those are all really good points. And it kind of, I think partially has to do with where you are in your life and your career and what's most important to you and why, right? Um, I think right now, for me personally, you know, like, um, I'm just the type of person that's been personally very motivated to um, be the best at whatever I put my mind towards, whether that's work, whether it's like personal relationships, uh, whether that's, you know, different hobbies that I pick up and whatnot and always kind of getting the best out of, um, of, of, of myself. And then, yeah, I also think that like from, um, as a, as an Asian American and growing up in the United States right now, um, it's a really interesting and challenging identity, right? Where in some ways that identity, um, it's a source of uh, a lot of pain growing up, but, today, right, it's more important to embrace that identity more than ever, um, especially with the current events and, and, and everyone else is very familiar with. So, um, so I think maybe um, what I would also add to that statement as well is I think it's super important to see people that you can relate with, relate to, um, excel in various different fields, um, not just you know, academics, not just, you know, doctors, lawyers, but um, some of the advancements and the success that you've seen in music and in media and in my case, marketing um, areas and verticals in which Asian Americans are usually um, underrepresented. And I don't think that it's just a talent issue um, or, or a pipeline issue. I think um, it's part of something maybe perhaps a little bit larger than that. Yeah. Um, I saw you or were on the Asian Ad Week Summit recently. I I hopped in for a little bit to watch you speak. Um, what do you feel like our role is in promoting Asian representation as well as, say, combating racism? Well, I think that marketing and media, those two fields in particular, yeah. play a very critical role in shaping culture and society. Because inherently, those two uh, functions are seen a lot. Uh, marketing, obviously, on the advertising side and media, um, uh, um, it, they're seen a lot. And um, I think that as, because of that, there should be extra um, awareness around uh, creating more diversity in those fields and representation in those fields. Um, in the marketing field in particular, um, it's very interesting because where I work with in the user-generated content space where we get to see a lot of very talented creators on Instagram, YouTube, et cetera. A lot of them, Asian American. Then when you look at the senior ranks of various uh, marketing organizations or uh, in media as well, um, you don't really see them represented there. And a good question I always ask is why, 
right? And that in itself, I think there are people who are uh, more qualified than I am to kind of speak to some of the intricacies of that. Yeah. But it's a great example where user-generated content is a classic example of when you democratize access to a lot of people when it comes to creating content, kind of like what you're doing right now, um, you actually get a lot more diversity, which then allows for certain talent that would not have been seen before to, to really uh, to rise. Um, and when you think about what's happening right now in the marketing industry, um, um, there's definitely a lack of Asian American representation at the top. That like too deep or <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't need to question your own answers. What you what you yeah. say is um, <laughs> what you think. So I mean, but you know, it's one of those things that um I think it's um you know I, I've gotten to see this very closely in the marketing industry, where if you go to these creative agencies at the top, um, you know, you don't really see a lot of Asian representation. And even though like the multicultural segment will be one of the fastest growing segments for them, even though there'll be a lot of growth for them in Asia you really do not really see um, as many Asian Americans at the top. Cool. Uh, switching it up, um, what made you want to get involved in startups and start Pixly? I know you were fairly involved in Basis at Stanford, so. Yeah, no, um, back in uh, high school, uh, my co-founder, Awad, who you know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. we actually worked together on a couple of startups in high school um, that were directly related to what we do today at Pixly in the user-generated content space. Mm -hmm. So um, part of it was, again, just being in the right place in the right time. Um, we have dabbled with different ideas back in the day. And when we started um, Pixly, um, Instagram had just come out with an Android app. And um, at the time, it was seen as kind of a crazy idea because um, the photo quality wasn't good enough, right? And all the photos had these really black borders around that. And the idea that, hey, this was going to be some of the new normal was kind of crazy. Um, but for us, um, as kind of younger millennials at the time, we just fundamentally thought that word of mouth marketing and social media was going to change a lot of the balance of power of how, of how people see brands. And now, you know, when you think about your own shopping experience, when you go online shopping and you see the photos of customers who wear that product, you're, you, you're, it helps your ability to buy. And we are just the technology that powers that. But before that, you know, that wasn't there. So it's, it's interesting where it's like that idea um, where initially started seemed kind of crazy. It got much better as photo quality also got better as well. So we got to ride that wave. Yeah, sweet. I mean, I really love what you guys are doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen like Pixly like ad walls when I've been like running around, <laughs> running around the real world. You probably have, um, and um, you know, I, an example I always give to people, like if you've ever gone to Yelp or TripAdvisor and you've looked at the customer photos before you bought something, right? We just do that, but for every other brand. So we work with brands like Airbnb, Puma, Old Navy, uh, Red Bull, uh, Banana Republic, um, 100 Contacts, Carnival Cruise Lines, Delta, um, a lot of the kind of the world leading brands when it comes to community driven brands. And I think that because of, but my work when it comes to like community driven brands and user generated content, I've had to I've definitely pay a lot more attention um, to this conversation around diversity because I think one of the key benefits of user generated content versus top down creative when it comes to marketing is that you get to see a lot more diverse customer base represented. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Kyle, what's interesting to me, what sticks out is there's something about giving 
people a voice, you know, equal representation. Can you tell us a little bit like where this drive is coming from for that? Yeah. Um, so um, I, I think that um, a lot of other, you know, Asian Americans probably um, have been in a scenario where they felt like they weren't seen or heard. Uh, even myself at Pixley, I remember certain meetings where people would tell me that, you know, certain Asian American uh, demographics were not, quote, on brand, right? Um, and it's really interesting because, you know, um, I feel like the Asian American uh, community in the United States, you know, we're, we, we, we try our best to assimilate and, and, yeah. and do the right things and, and whatnot, and yet they're still not considered, quote, on brand. There's always going to be kind of a hyphen between, like, Asian and American in that, in that, in that sense. Um, and when you think about some of the more, uh, the structures that have a little more hierarchy um, to them, inherently they become less and less diverse as you get to the top, right? Um, and what I think it's really exciting about user-generated content and just different fields where you democratize access to things is that people get to bypass some of these hierarchies, whereas like there are certain creators out there right now tens of millions of followers making tons of money but if he or she were to apply to a marketing organization and try to work his or her way up chances are their background would not be seen as you know traditional right and yeah. when you think about content and marketing and these kind of more creative roles these are the roles in which and i think there's a lot more stereotypes and a lot more subjective feel towards a particular um uh, uh uh, ability. So I think that is something to take into mind when it comes to more subjective fields. I'm sure your company was uh, affected by COVID. Um, but could you tell us more? Could you tell us about how you were able to feed the company through that, especially kind of like the mental stress and burden of, of, of that? Yeah. Um, well, COVID, right, happened very suddenly, at least in the United States, where everything kind of went on lockdown really quickly. So I don't think anyone in January 1 had a fiscal year plan that took into account um, being quarantined for half of the year. Um, it was challenging from a, a number of, 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 for a number of reasons. Um, one is we as a company were um, distributed, but still had office. So going from an in-office culture, being able to see people and make decisions to completely remote, was challenging just from a process perspective. Um, it was also challenging because there was so much uncertainty in the market. Um, and whenever there's uncertainty, it definitely causes people to pause, um, whether it be your customers, clients, and whatever. Uh, and then third, last but not least, there's a lot of personal impact of a global pandemic where people are going through things in their lives. And it's a great reminder that there are things that are more important than work. Um, at times, right? Um, and both like the Black Lives Matter movement and COVID are a good example of that in the United States. Um, I think as a leader, however, in an organization during this time, um, it's particularly challenging because on one hand, you are accountable for a lot of folks and it's your responsibility to uh, make sure that the company, you know, um, is in good standing and shape. Um, on the other hand, you need to portray that confidence uh, internally that, Hey, this is the path forward and how we're going to get through this together. So both dealing with the reality of planning for the downside scenario, right. Does not put you in a great place. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, having to describe why we're going to make this, make it out 
you know, no problem. It's also very challenging as well. Uh, so those two things are obviously, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're just from a business perspective. And then like we talked about also, there's a personal component as well, right? And like the rise, rise, uh, um, rising xenophobia that we're seeing in the United States is a good example of that. Um, but you were in Tokyo this whole time, right? Or- yeah, I was. Uh, I got in just right before it got bad. At that point, I was like, should I stay in the U.S.? Is like, is it a good idea to move to Japan right now? Is like Japan going to get super bad and the U.S. is going to be fine? <laughs> yeah. um, and, but, you know, like it's one of those things. But we're also fortunate um, that there were some, um, like our business was able to adapt because as a tech company, you're able to um, work from home and everything will be okay. And then um, there, because the e-commerce group, right, and the whole category around user-generated content grew, and as people had to shut down photo shoots, right, then the content from your community became kind of a no-brainer in terms of being able to fill that gap. So we definitely found opportunities. Um, and maybe my, my advice and my feedback to people when going through these tough times is that I just say overall things are bad. Yeah. There might be pockets, though, of goods of like sunshine, and it's like, how do you double down on that, on, on those pockets? Like, for example, like, our, we work with a lot of travel brands, right? That was not looking very good in March or April, right? When you're working with some of the largest travel brands that, are, you know, their revenue went down 90% or 80% in a month. It's never a good start to a conversation. Um, however, uh, we did have verticals like Instant Pot, Gaming, right? that were just through the roof <laughs> during that time. Yeah. So part of that was just a resource allocation shift around how do you now um, make sure you allocate resources effectively um, towards pockets of the growth to just ride out the waves, right? And then now, um, you know, now that we're a couple of quarters into COVID and people are adapting to quote the new normal and reinvesting money into e-commerce and growth, um, we're able to uh, take advantage of some of those tailwinds. Um, but, you know, the first couple of months were not, fun months um uh, at all and you know it's very stressful time um and i mean um and and you know as a former founder um you know you you, you yeah. it's 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 more than just a job to you like it's it's personal right you personally recruited a lot of the people and you personally work with a lot of these clients and it's, it's really tough when you see certain clients and people like get furloughed and um you know you try your best to to help them during that time but um you know it's it's unprecedented is the word that people use to describe it. I haven't used that in a long time though. Yeah. You know, as a fellow founder, I, I can empathize with a lot of the stories that you tell, especially like the ones about trying to plan for something that, you know, we've never been through before and having to provide leadership to your employees in a way where, you know, you give them confidence that you guys are going to work through this, but at the same time, kind of knowing like, Oh shit, you know, like, this is the first time I'm going through something like this. Like I need to take care of myself too. So I'm curious, you know, like what were some of your own like emotional struggles that you went through through this time and what did you do to overcome them? You all, um, that's a good question. So I don't know if I'm great at dealing with that, to be honest. Um, I, I don't think I am uh, the best, you know, person to get advice for when it comes to like dealing with these things because I just tend to internalize it more, right? I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's just the reality. Um, for me, like just from a foundational perspective and how I think, um, I just also consider myself a very lucky person 
Like I was like the first in my family to go to college, you know, grew up single mom, only child, right? Like first in my family to go to college, like, and like, like just was not supposed to be where I am today. So it's almost like everything above that is to go win, right? Like it's like, um, 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 I'm, I just feel very fortunate. And my frame of reference is usually around the idea that, you know, I'm just very fortunate to be in a position where, um, in this privileged position where my decision matters on certain issues. Um, and then there's often a lot of people have it worse, right? When it comes to just all the things that happened in COVID and the different roles and responsibilities and whatnot. Um, I think that um, one thing that um, helped during this time though was frequent communication, even when I didn't have all the answers. Yeah. And I think that um, different teams in different cultures can adapt and work with different types of leaders. Yeah. Uh, for my, for me though, like I, I, even if I didn't have all the answers to things, I at least try to walk people through the thought process. Like, Hey, like these two weeks are working on defensive opportunities, which is keeping our existing client base, keeping the ship afloat, not spending much money. Like this is what we're going to do. And you know, there's going to be details that come out over the next couple of weeks, but like that's directionally what we're trying to do right now. If anyone has any good ideas, let me know. Right. And then more instilling on the culture that like, it is not just me who can come up with a good idea, right? Like you feel empowered to suggest different opportunities for the company to adapt and really making people feel like they have a, a, a say in like the future of the company. Now, with that said, as a leader, it's really important for you to kind of um, show them the path forward, right? So it's not completely wishy-washy and I don't know what I'm doing. Like you definitely need to have a clear direction, uh, so to speak. But I think it's also okay to show a little bit of authenticity and explain what, where you are in the thought process and how you're going to make, make it through. Uh, the other thing I also did was uh, I started running again. So um, um, like I mentioned before, uh, Michael and I uh, had this crazy idea of running a marathon for my birthday. Um, but I, I joined a virtual half marathon. So like I went, I just didn't run for a long time and it was good just to kind of get out there and get some exercise and, um, you know, uh, uh, get a couple of miles in and maybe shed a few pounds. Cause I was definitely like eating my stress, uh, for sure. Um, do you guys do that too? When you get stressed, just, I guess in Tokyo, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> I react Absolutely. in similar ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, e eating the stress away is definitely very common. And you know, what, what's interesting is, you know, when I asked you that question and you started off saying that question, like, Hey, I don't know if I'm the best guy to answer this. Cause I stuffed things down. I was like, Oh no, what's he going to say? But you know, the, the the whole point of badass Asian dudes is, you know, just by the title, you know, you kind of get an idea that these people are accomplished or at least some along the way on their professional path. But, you know, we wanted to talk about more about emotional development. Yep. And, you know, what I really heard from you was actually a lot of self-awareness and development in that, you know, you talked about like understanding like, hey, you know, you are the product of a single parent and you went to Stanford and you're so lucky to, you know, be in this situation where you're running a startup and a startup that or a company that can survive COVID because you guys are digitally based. And, you know, what that's telling me is that you have a great gratitude practice. You know, you're appreciative of all the things in, in your life. And the second thing that I really heard that came through very strong was that even though you didn't have the answers, what you did was you kept in communication with people. And by keeping in communication with people, you're there, you're present, you're listening to their problems. You're maybe even venting to them, but by keeping the communication open and clearly communicating, you know, that strengthens 
those types of relationships, even if you didn't have the answers. So I just wanted to really acknowledge like what you really said, because it, it, I felt like it was almost like a little trick, like, hey, I don't have that much emotional intelligence. Well, now <laughs> I'm going to show you how much emotional intelligence that I have. So, you know, I do appreciate that, Kyle. Yeah, I do appreciate um, the comments as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's um, one other thing I would just add to that. Um, and just as, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this a bit more. Um, I just think that like you really learn the most about yourself during difficult times, yeah. whether that's as a company, uh, culture, team, you know, your person as an individual, like they say that sometimes a company's like most innovative times are during its darkest times because you are forced to adapt, right? When things are going well, right? The incentive to adapt or sometimes, you know, not there. So if the incentives are not to adapt, then why would you adapt, right? And I think that both from a, and as company, individuals, I think sometimes people see similar scenarios where they, the, they get the most growth out of themselves um, during challenging times yeah. um, because that's when you really learn who you are uh, when, you're, when your back is pushed, to get, pushed up against the wall. But, um, but yeah, I think um, like it, you mentioned about the, the overall company. Uh, we are lucky to be in a position um, where our category of marketing around like customer power commerce and influencer marketing um, is growing, right? And the, the tide raises all ships or whatever they say. Um, I think that's the phrase. Um, whereas like sometimes it's good to just be part of the right, the right tide and the right tailwinds. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like uh, you are aware of the areas of emotional development um, that you want to go into. Are there other areas of develop development for you? Well, uh, I, I learned how to cook uh, this this quarantine. Um, so I went from like burning stuff in the microwave to now I, I I've learned how to um, to to make hot sauce and learn how to make various dishes. Um, if you probably have followed me on Instagram, Michael, you probably are noticing. But um, one of the coolest things, by the way, of like this time period, is that um, you can like learn anything you want to learn just from the internet. Like yeah. I went from like not knowing how to make any hot sauce to like now I have like various variations because I watched like a couple of YouTube videos and read a couple of articles and a couple of TikToks. And now I have all these crazy ideas for creating new hot sauce. Like you just, you just teach yourself different things. If you take a little initiative, like have you either of you two like picked up any new hobbies during this time or? Oh, I just definitely. Oh yeah. Yes. Keep going. Table. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, baking, gardening, yeah. Um, paper mache. I feel like a renaissance man. I mean, this has really been a good time to to slow down and, and learn new skills. And you know, Kyle, you actually said something that was like really interesting earlier, which was, you know, when there's tough times, you know, you could learn a lot of things, right? And ultimately, I mean, this is why like dynasties and sports are so impressive, right? If if you're winning year over year, it's very easy to think, oh, we don't need to improve anywhere, especially like if you're like these, you know mid-20s testosterone filled athletes right it's like easy yeah. to like think like everything i'm doing is the greatest so i was curious you know outside of running a startup which we all know is super duper challenging you know what were can you think of another mistake previously in your life that you know kind of like changed the course of like who you were and you learned a lot from oof <laughs> Jeez. uh 
Well, my initial response before you said instead of the startup was going to be related to the different mistakes that I've made only because like I've been doing um, this for such a long period of time. And for better, or for worse, I do feel like it is such a big part of my identity as a person, which, by the way, is also a mistake that I think a lot of people in my, in my position make is that you attach too much of your personal worth as a, as a human being to the success of your company. We'll table that for now. Come back. <laughs> we'll table that for now and come back to the other part. Um, you know, um, I think maybe not just myself, but my, my mom sacrificed a lot for me, right? Like to even like put me up in you know in in Brooklyn. Like was not for her, right? It was very much for me. Um, and um, I was very lucky to to have gone to one of the specialized high schools there. And um, I remember that time period because. Um, um, I got lucky that I got into one of the specialized high schools and ended up with a pretty good high school, really good high school experience. Um, but had I not gotten in and gotten a different kind of test score and whatnot, uh, I, I don't think my, my local magnet school was not, would not have been um, very favorable um, uh, for me. Um, I think it had like metal detectors or something like that. So, um, you know, in life, I just feel like sometimes there are like scenarios that like really change your trajectory, whether it's like, you know, a case like that, um, a mentor, that takes you under his or her wing. Like I've had a couple mentors early on that like, I think without them, I don't think I would have the confidence to do this company. Right. Cause it sometimes when you're like just starting out, like you sometimes even lack some confidence in yourself, right. And your idea, because a lot of the ideas when you first start a, a company um, is very fragile. Right. And sometimes it takes a little bit of external validation to just get you that extra, oomph, the extra uh, push to kind of make you feel like actually like there's something here. Because, you know, when you're just a napkin sketch, there's a lot of reasons to doubt why the idea is not going to work. And again, a lot of ideas are very fragile and not really well thought out because you've only been thinking about it for a couple of weeks or so. But like when someone can help you pick out like what's good in the idea, it really helps a lot. Yeah. 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 You, you, know, you know, Kyle, like you said something that really stuck in my mind. Um, I actually, my, my father is also a CEO or he was a CEO, he passed away during COVID actually, not, not to COVID, but you know, one of the things that you said that really resonated was the attachment to the identity of being a CEO. And one of the things that he had trouble with was, you know, he was so used to, I mean, he was retired, but he was still going into work like 20 hours a week to still sat on the board. And, you know, like he just couldn't, disassociate his self-worth from the contribution to the company. So he had, he was physically recovering from the, um, the, the, the chemotherapy treatments, but they said mentally he wasn't able to relax because he had such an attachment to his self-worth to the contributions to his company. And when you brought that up, that really, you know, resonated and it triggered with me because I was like, yeah, you know, one of the things that I've been really working on is detaching myself from being a CEO because it has been my identity and it's been awesome being a CEO. So I was wondering if you can, you know, you said, let's table that for now. You know, I was curious if you could kind of elaborate cause you've obviously been thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, this is also a very common mistake um, for particularly young founders um, is that they attach too much of like who they are to the success of the company. And, um, for me, um, I remember um, early on, right, like going through tough times with the company, you're not sure if it's going to survive or not. And you're kind of a little bit worried and insecure about like how people will perceive you and like what's, what's going to happen to your career. 
And, you know, for me, um, one, it just took like, you know, maturing, right? So that happens with age and more experience and you just kind of understand there are things that in life that are more important than just work. But two, like some of my friends started companies, right? And I remember them going through that same period that I went through. And I'm like, listen, like, Michael, like, you started a company. I want it to be very successful. Yeah. But if it doesn't, like, I am still going to be your friend. And I'm not going to think any less of you, right? And I think that it's important to kind of, like, remember that at times. That, like, yes, like, your friends all want you to do really well in life. Um, but it's not like they're only friends with you. Or hopefully not because of your, 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 your startup, right? Like, they're still going to be friends with you um, beyond that. And we've been, um, we have enough experience in the startup world now where we've seen all types of variations of that. People start off really hot yeah. <laughs> and implode, start very slow, then blow up, right? Like, you know, highs and lows of different scenarios and situations. And I think that um, more importantly than just having good success is like, how do you deal with that success? Like, do you let it get to your head too much? And then dealing with failure, right? Like, how do you recover from that, right? And, and do you um, handle that in, a, in an ethical way? Right. Those are the things that people really remember. Right. Whether or not you succeeded or not, it's not it doesn't mean like you as an individual are more important or less or less worthy or whatever. But definitely how you respond during those times, people will, I think, judge you for. I think that's something that I wish I had thought about a little earlier in my career. Um, yeah. But but that's just and but I think also some of that mentality is um, in a way a bit privileged because it's a very Silicon Valley mindset. Yeah, for sure. Right. And um, I think this is one of the benefits of, you know, starting a company in Silicon Valley, which I'm sure you, both of you are really familiar with, which is like, Hey, like there's almost this like, Oh, if you fail, like there's always going to be the next one uh, type mentality, or you're going to be able to pick up, pick yourself up and find yourself an opportunity. And I think in the tech world, right? Like we live in that very privileged position where we get to, you know, raise other people's money to try this crazy startup idea and it may or may not work out like i don't know where else in the world would you give a 22 year old millions of dollars to maybe figure out an idea that could be worthwhile right um i don't know if 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 well now obviously as um tech has gotten um um kind of explode expanded into much different places and, and verticals and whatnot it's you can see it outside of silicon valley but it's definitely a mindset shift mindset uh sorry, uh, mindset shift that um, I was trying to explain to my mom and she was like, why would anybody give you money, Kyle? You don't know what you're doing. Like, why would, why would anyone give, give you money? Like, it's crazy. So um, it is, it is kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. We definitely have a definitely privileged uh, culture and position when we're in Silicon Valley. And yeah, it's but, always good to yeah. Yeah, have that ability to take that risks. And, and <laughs> your life could totally change. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, one other quick thing I just want to add to that as, I, as we're just rambling is as, um, that kind of lends itself to that whole democratization concept that we talked about, right? So let's just say both of you two worked at like a, a major you know, publication and you were to pitch this idea of badass Asian dudes, but the, like the senior exec that doesn't relate to it. And they try, you try to get data for it, but he or she just does not believe in the idea, right? But you would get shut down immediately. And it, it only takes like one person to say no for the whole idea to get squashed. Yeah. Right. And I think in startups, it's almost the, the opposite where um, you only need one person to say yes. Right. For your idea to get off the ground. Like yeah. in your case, like it, it only takes the two of you to believe in the idea for you to be able to get started. Right. And try it. Right. And let the data prove itself. 
right? Uh, and I think same thing when it comes to content creation, like I mentioned before in the youth generated content space, like going through layers of approval versus just being able to ship it ha- has some advantages. And one of those advantages is um, sometimes, um, at least in our case, the content that gets produced is a little bit more authentic to a particular target market because it comes from a unique point of view. And that point of view is usually shaped from uh, a certain upbringing as well. Yeah. Awesome. That's why I, I love, I love the idea of what you guys are doing. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I, 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 I never saw anything like it. Right? <laughs> Maybe we'll become the next a- AHN. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, mentors and, and role models before. Uh, do you still have those type of figures in your life? And are they like, inf- like influencing you? And like, who, who are your mentors and role models? Yeah. Um, so one of them, um, I'll give him a special shout out. Um, uh, Freddie um, Karras is one of the um, co-founders of, uh, of Okta, actually. Um, and um, I actually met him through Stardex, uh, Michael. So um, right when I was sitting next to you, he was our, my mentor during Stardex. And, you know, this is a, you know, very successful entrepreneur who, you know, took his company public and, you know, is was, was one of the most successful SaaS IPOs, right, of our last decade. Um, you know, he was one of the first people early on in my career who, like, really showed me the ropes, because I think early on in your career, it just takes like one or two people to really vouch for you and to give you like a like credibility stamp, so to speak, right? Um, and um, I still remember the introductions he made because um, some of the introductions he made, like those people did not have any business meeting with me at that time. But because like he vouched for me and like stuck his neck out for me, like, like hey, I vouch for this person. He, he's great. Um, it got me into the, it got me into the room. Right. And I think that like when you're trying to make it up, make it, make it in your life, um, sometimes you just want opportunity to, to, to have a seat at the table. Right. And, um, as a result of that for me right now, one thing that I personally, um, have been spending a lot of time on is, um, helping people break into tech. Um, because I think going to school out here, you, you kind of fall into it. Right. And you kind of have this privileged position because of all your friends are in tech and you just go into tech with them. Right. But um, for others, like it's, 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 it's not as easy to break into the tech world. And um, so I've been personally, I'm um, really passionate about that as well. Um, it's just allowing people to kind of um, break into the tech world. Um, Sweet. Yeah. So Kyle, you know, what, what's interesting is what I heard in that last comment was, one of your uh, mentors, I think you said he was like the founder of Okta. Was that yeah. correct? Um, he kind of gave Thanks, you Freddie, that. <laughs> yes, yes, Freddie, what's going on? Um, yeah. So you had mentioned that Freddie kind of gave you like that seal of approval, that open doors, right? And then, you know, the last thing I heard was that you wanted to help open doors for people in the uh, that want to get into the tech industry. So, you know, the whenever I see themes like that, it always kind of jumps out at me. Like there's something to kind of paying it forward, you know, like within you, you know, like, can you kind of elaborate? Like, you know, where's that coming from? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I, I think like, you know, everyone is motivated by certain things. Um, I personally, um, if you think about like what I like the most about my experience at Pixley 
is I love the impact that our company has made on various people's lives, both like the people who work at Pixly and you know, Pixly allowing them to um, achieve what they want to achieve from a career perspective and the customers we've worked with who um, hopefully look good using our product, right, and get promoted. Um, so I think inherently, like, I always um, liked helping people. Um, it's something that I, I find great joy in. And it's also something, especially when it comes to like, just making introductions and vouching for certain people, right? It's um, um, this idea that um, not, it doesn't require me to do a tremendous amount of work to help others, right? And I think that if you're in that position, um, you should pay, pay it forward, right? Because um, you want always the next generation to be, to be better. And, you know, related to that topic, it's um, for me, um, I, I, I've always like worried, oh, am I qualified to, you know, speak up on behalf of Asian Americans about a particular issue, right? Am I qualified to be making this particular statement or judgment? And I think what I realized is that like, you don't have to be at the top to make an introduction or to speak out about something like you can do that on the way to the top and it will be perfectly fine. Right. And I think that, um, as I've, you know, achieved more in my career and become more confident in my own ability. Right. Um, I've, you try to use that as a way to, um, cultivate, um, um, and, and kind of build relationships with different people as well. And, um, I also long-term am a big believer in like long-term relationships where like Michael and I, we sat next to each other, but we're probably gonna know each other for the next like 40 years, right? And that relationship is not just a one-time transactional thing, it's like a long-term um, thing as well. So um, I just like the idea of having your, 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 your tribe around you, you know, come up with you, right? And I think that's always really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that, Kyle. I love that about you. I mean, you know, from, the first time we started talking, I guess, uh, 44 minutes ago, <laughs> you know, like I just really got this sense that you were someone that really wanted to help like marginalized voices or, or people that just didn't get a chance to, to speak up and e even marginalized Asian males like ourselves where like, you know, people are coming in and saying, this isn't on, you know, brand. And you're like, shit, well, I'm an Asian male and I'm running this company. How yeah. are you going to tell me it's not on brand? Yeah. You know, so I just really appreciate that. And Michael, um, did you have a last question to? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been noticing you putting out content um, related to various like Asian issues, but is there any message that you want to leave to uh, people listening to this podcast? Just any sort of open message at all? And about Asian American issues or on, <laughs> on, um what, what, what do you want people listening to this podcast to come away with? Um, in terms of just overall career stuff, I think. No. Uh, now, here's a, here's a good way. Here, here's a good way to reframe the question. Kyle, what are you fighting for in this life of yours? What are you fighting for? Okay, let's go. Wow. Um, I really want to make other people's lives better. That's probably... <laughs> <laughs> my answer, my answer to that um, is I, I, um, I, 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 I think I'm personally motivated by making other people's lives better, um, both as a friend, colleague. Um, I, 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 um, I'm just more extroverted person, so I'm inherently uh, motivated by a lot of that stuff. Um, but um, sorry, 
one thing, other thing I just wanted to quickly mention, because um, my mind was going a different direction before you asked that, um, is um, I think an important underrated characteristic um, in people's careers is like the value of consistency. And I think, Michael, you've probably seen that right now in, in yeah. Tokyo and this whole conversation around craftsmanship, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that like a lot of times people underrate the importance of consistency, especially when it comes to like building personal relationships, yeah. right? Like there's always this, this combination of intensity versus consistency that, that people don't think about, right? But um, doing things over a period of time really, really well is I think the, the, the best way to get really, really good at your craft. Yeah. Whether that is making hot sauce, playing ping pong, yeah. right? Building user-generated content, software platforms, uh, but also like your personal friendships and relationships as well. Like it's not just me showing up to, you know, for Michael one day. It's me also being his friend 365, you know, 24-7 in case he needs something, right? And um, I just think that um, don't underestimate the um, – the compounding impact that consistency can have because at first you might not feel like you're really, really good, but you work at it enough over a long enough period of time. Um, you can actually become world-class in something, um, you know, just by being consistently good at it over a period of time. Awesome. It was great having you on today and I am looking forward to trying your hot sauce eventually. <laughs> Let me know what, you're, what kind of variation you want. You know, I, I, you want like a more of a, 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 a thicker type, a more liquidy type, vinegar based, you know, that, just let me know what you're... What you're... All right. He's like a ghost, ghost pepper type of uh, hot sauce guy. <laughs> you got to be careful with that kind of stuff, man, because when you chop it up and you're making it and you're boiling it and you're mixing it, it's like when you take a whiff of that, you're like, oh my goodness. Like it just makes you feel like your nose is going to fall off at times. So yeah. uh, I definitely would not... Uh, recommend doing it at home without proper safety precautions, blah, blah, blah. Legal disclaimer here. <laughs> All right. That was Kyle Wong with uh, the Badass Asian Dudes podcast. We will see you again next time. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe this podcast on any platform. See ya.